Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. So Hampton left to Miak? No. Where are they going? To the Big South Conference. Oh, man. That's 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 major crossover right there from the Chitlin circuit to... Uh, I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even know they allowed black schools in the Big South. <laughs> the Big South Conference added Hampton as a full member. Wow. I know. Cra- I know. Andrew's crazy. like, oh, why do you guys care about this? Um, that's a. Are they still going to play Howard every year, or how does that work? Um, or, or is that is their rival? Is it Howard, or is there is it Norfolk State? Is there? Yeah, because because Howard is like the other private. Uh, black school or Norfolk State is like the state school and like yeah. you know like they say Hampton all Hampton is a bunch of people from New Jersey and, and <laughs> like all the, all the people from Norfolk came to go to college there C-C-C. Fresh, fresh. For you. There you go. For you, for you. <laughs> Welcome to the Run AMC podcast. Again, regrettably. You, you want to tell him, I mean? This spoiler alert Chris can't make it. <laughs> Are you guys surprised? You're not surprised. You're not surprised. This is Mark Spears from ESPN's Undefeated. We got the esteemed superstar television renowned. Worldwide star Amino Hassan. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, A on the uh, you know run AMC. Myself, Mark, and Chris Haynes. Third missed appearance. But that's all right him. though because our show still roll without him and his corny jokes that he you know gets off the internet <laughs> about his, his, his pre written raps. His pre-written raps. <laughs> yeah, his pre-written raps that he says before interviews. Instead, we got my man Keith Pompey, longtime Sixers writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, repping Philly to the fullest in the house. What's up, Keith? What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me on, y'all. Mark. Hey, where you at now? I'm still in L.A. You loving it, too, huh? Yeah. That's why I'm... Look. <laughs> Like they don't they don't do anything. They don't have any media availability today, right? And why are they um, still there? Why not, Mark? I mean, uh, look, That's... dude. I mean, think about it. We're in L.A. Like you said, why not? I mean, it's cold back home now. At least that's what they tell me because we haven't been home in like ten days. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna enjoy L.A. today, and then I'm gonna take a red eye tonight and get to Philly at what eight a.m. and uh, you know go spend some time with the fam. <laughs> like there I'm, you go. I'm chilling today. Yeah. That's doing it the right. That's called doing it the right way. You, you gonna get to Roscoe's while you out there? Oh, I already went to Roscoe's, man. My cousin picked me up at. Uh, she met me at my hotel at like nine a.m. on Sunday, and we rolled <laughs> out to Roscoe's. Yeah, yeah. Because see, what happened is like, I flew. I took the first flight out to get because I, I was going to meet her and some other family members. So she took me to Roscoe's, and it was cool. But the whole funny thing, it was this other dude from Philly there, right? And um, so I'm trying to, like, you know, play it off, like, everything chill. Like, I've been here before, whatever. You had never dude, been I, there? Nah, that was my first time at Roscoe's. And okay. um, the dude was outside taking selfies. And then, like, he was like, so my cousin was like, my cousin was like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Philly. So then I got quiet. Right? And then, <laughs> and then she was like, oh, my cousin from Philly, oh, too. So then we started oh. talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went to the one in, in Hollywood. Okay. Y'all didn't go to one in the hood then. Well, probably not. It wasn't a lot of hood people with type clientele <laughs> in there. I mean, it was like, and that's what I said. I, I thought this was going to be a little different. She said, uh, it's kind of, you know, it, it kind of changed. It kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah. Now that one, um, so for people that don't understand, like Roscoe Chicken, Roscoe Chicken and Waffles is an L.A. staple. They actually have one in Oakland where I live called... The House of Chicken Waffles, which I believe is one of the former owners, opened it up there. 
Um, but it's um, if you, I'm sure most people have had chicken and fried chicken and waffles before. But it's uh, it's it's the I guess if you look at like chicken and waffles, it's the mecca of chicken and waffles in L.A. They have one in Hollywood. They have one in South Central. I believe Long Beach, Pasadena, and they have a new one, relatively new one, by uh, the LAX, by the airport, which is the one I kind of go to. Last time I went, actually, I was there with Andre Miller. Oh, we had <laughs> we had an interesting conversation there. But uh, so, did it live up to the hype? It was cool. I was cracking up though because this dude went in there and asked for some um, bacon, and they were like, uh, "We don't have bacon." <laughs> He's like, no. What, what kind of breakfast so spot chicken. do you go to? Yeah, he's, what kind of breakfast spot you go to that, that doesn't have bacon? I said, dude, it's called Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, Malar- it was cool. It was Malar- cool. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the big idea? Did you, did, you, did you like it, Amin? I know you're living in L.A. when you first went there, or do you think it's overrated? I'll be honest. I thought it was overrated, but, I, you know, I'm, I'll, I like finding like the the little spots. We talked about this. I can't remember who, who was who was on a few weeks ago. We were talking about all the different hole in the wall food spots. So that's my thing. It's the same thing like um, in Phoenix. A lot of people go to Lolo's, and like, I, I'll be honest, I don't think Lolo's is that good. Um, I go to Mrs. White's, which is much better, but it is literally a hole in the wall. It's you know, it <laughs> like the, the building's like a hundred years old. Um, so. Uh, you know, Ross, it's all right. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm cool on that though, man. I'm cool on the, it's, it's almost like you know what it's like in New York. People say, oh, you got to go to Sylvia's. Yeah, yeah. Sylvia's, I'm not impressed, man. Like Sylvia's, I feel like it's just too, too bougie, man. Like napkins and silverware and stuff. Like that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. All right, well, 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 let me, let me ask y'all this: If y'all had a private jet and you could take me to one soul food place. In, in the entire country, where would you take me? Oof. Yeah, that's a tough one. There's a spot There's a spot in Inglewood. Okay. Oh. It's also not too far from there, but I can't remember the name. But, uh, you talking about the Servant Spoon? Uh, yeah, it's the Servant Spoon. It's family-owned, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Servant uh, Spoon was actually, um, what was the group that Rafael Sadiq was in? Uh, Lucy Pearl, Lucy or, Pearl. They, uh, Lucy they talk Pearl about or Tony, this. Tony, Tony. No, Lucy Pearl. Right. After Tony, 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 he actually mentioned the Servant Spoon in one of his songs. Man. But I've, well, I've that, been to the Servant Spoon. I'm tightening yeah. it up right now because I'm gonna go this afternoon. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. Breakfast, yeah. lunch, Servant Spoon. That's a good spot yeah. in Inglewood. So, Mark. So, so check this out. So, last time I saw Keith in in L.A was like three years ago, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Sixers were playing the Clippers. <laughs> the Clippers beat them by like 60. I mean, and it, yeah. was, it wasn't a gradual blowout. It was like yeah. jump ball, down 20, down 30 by quarter, down like 35 <laughs> by halftime. It, it, was, it was immediate and, and instant. And so after yeah. the game, I see Keith and I said, yo, how broken up were those guys in the locker room? That's embarrassing, man. Because this dude, like the Clippers treated it like it was an all-star game, throwing it off the glass and alley-oops and all. It was it was nuts, right? Clipper Darrell's so going crazy. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, it, it was bananas. Blake was running the point. It was Bill, so bad to have Blake running the point. <laughs> Blake was throwing on the break, like on the break, bringing it up and throwing alleys to DeAndre and all that stuff. So I said to I said to Keith, man, yo, how, how, like I'm thinking the locker room must have been silent or whatever. And Keith was like, man, they, these guys are just happy to say that they're in the NBA, man. Like. Literally, no one, no one was phased whatsoever, and so it's funny. Like three years later, to see uh, pretty much how everything has changed around that team. Uh, the expectations are finally here, and and uh, you know, just being in the NBA is no longer good enough for the guys on his roster. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, back in the day, it was all about getting par diems. It was all about, you know, staying in the in the Ritz Carlton, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, now, I mean, you could tell a team, like, you know, when, when they're on that winning streak, everyone's happy. But when you go in the locker room after they lose, I mean, it's as if they lost the Super Bowl on like a last-second field goal, you know, so to speak. Um, 
it takes Embiid forever to come over to talk. You know, Ben doesn't want to talk. Um, I mean, even the role players don't want to talk. And it's kind of like you, you can tell now that, you know, there's no – like that the taking is over. But um, I will say that I didn't expect this team to be this good this fast. I mean, I, I thought that the first 14 games, they would be lucky to win maybe four games. Wow. And they're eight and six. <laughs> so explain yeah. why. You know, I, I think, to be honest with you, I mean, we all know what MB can do, right? We all know what he can do. I mean, last night he had 46 points. But I think that you got to give ben Simmons, a, ben, excuse me, ben Simmons a lot of credit as well. You know, here's a guy, he's 6'10". You know, he's anywhere from 235 to 240 pounds, and he's running the point like he's a real, like he's a point guard, not like a power forward who they converted to a point guard, which he actually is. And, um, you know, the knock was, can he defend point guards? Well, he's doing a pretty good job doing that. Well, well, can he shoot from the outside? Well, he's not really a good shooter from the outside, but on pick and rolls, what he does is whenever people go under, he just hurries up and beats him to the spot and gets to the lane. So I think that the leadership that he has and the athleticism that he's showing and the skill set, and then you look at another guy like a Robert Covington, you know, who just know, got paid. Just got paid. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, when he first came here, all he could do was three years ago was shoot threes. That's all he did. And now you look at him and, you know, you got to be honest with yourself and realize that, when people go into games, they don't come out and say, I'm going to stop Robert Covington. They want to stop Embiid and they want to move J.J. Redick off the spot. But now it's getting to a point where how many threes are you going to let this guy take? How many times are you going to last him, allow him to get in the passing lanes and, and get breakaway dunks? So, I mean, this money that he's about to make, I mean, hey, more power to him. And it also shows how vital he is to this team and how much he has improved over the years. What's it what's the excitement like in Philly right now? Man, it's crazy, dude. It's like uh you know, you know, you come to Philadelphia in, in seasons past and you know, people clowning you talking about Dag, man, I can't believe you were I spotted you at the Sixers game. Now it's like is a waiting list. The games are sold out and there's a waiting list for the next couple of years for people trying to get tickets. Um it's just ridiculous. And it's funny because you know, to go to a game in Philadelphia now, it, they, like, break all the rules of basketball etiquette. Like, Joel Embiid, when he's at the foul line, he wants this crowd to chant, trust the process. So you have, like, 20, <laughs> seriously, you have 20,000 people chanting, trust the process, and he's, like, raising his arms, talking about get louder and louder, and he makes both of them. And, like, when it's when they're quiet, it's like one time they were quiet and he missed one and he got upset. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 dude, I'm telling you, it's crazy. It's crazy uh, going to a Sixers game right about now. I, I remember uh, going to a Sixers finals game when Iverson was there. And mm-hmm. it was perhaps the loudest game to this day that I've ever been to. How, how intimidating a place is Philadelphia to see a game when they're, uh, is as far as just loud and crazy crowd when they're rolling and what do you guys consider to be the most intimidating place to go in the league to play? Yeah, it's funny. First of all, when you said you were at a finals game, I got worried you were gonna say with Moses Malone and Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, forgot about them Sixers. Uh, where, the Barberson Matamba. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with this? <laughs> um, they had a cup of coffee, one win, step over. Uh, Ty Lou's uh, series. Yeah, um, yeah. I like this one. <laughs> um, it's funny because, like, most of my travels to Philly, they weren't really good. Um, you know, like, I just I missed that as far as traveling. The one time I did go to the um, 2001 or two, whatever the All-Star game was there. Yeah. And so I remember. I remember they performed. Yeah. And, and they booed. They, so they booed. Uh, they booed Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> um and then i, I want to say maybe it was later that year they no it was this happened after the finals because at the finals they booed destiny's child i remember that yeah, yeah. watching that on tv they booed destiny's yeah. child at the finals 
And then later on, you know, the, the next All-Star game was in Philly. They booed Kobe at the practice. They booed him in there in the game. Um, so yeah, Philly's always gotten, like, got a reputation as being a tough crowd. Um, I, like, to me, honestly, the, the, in terms of the loudest arenas, it was always Golden State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we couldn't figure it out because they were terrible. But they were, they were loud, and then they o- always played us tough. Phoenix, uh, when yeah. we're when I was in Phoenix, because they we were the only teams that wanted to play up tempo, right? So most nights we go in, and teams like the Rockets and the Heat with Shaq and all that, people were like, "Oh, those are good teams." They were like, "We love those teams because we run up and down three times, and their best players are like, I'm done, take me out, coach.'" But Golden State was the one team we're like, "Oh, finally we get to run too," and and so they kind of gave us problems. Most intimidating, you know what, man? This this might sound off the wall. Utah was. No, huh. like that's a weird. They're loud and it's hostile. It's you know, hostile it's like when you go to Utah, it's like going to a college Different. game because yeah. it's a basketball-only facility and the seats, like all right on top of the court, right on top of the court. They're the only place like that. You know, yeah, they got court-side seats, but the end zones are like they're like folding seats almost. They go right <laughs> on the court, like and they're um. It, it could get nasty and tough in there, and they their team never fouls, you know. And every once in a while, you you might hear something where you're like, "He didn't say what I just think he said," you know. He, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He certainly it, did. Steven Jackson got some great stories about playing playing up in Utah yeah. in the playoffs. <laughs> but no, I, I shoot, I got to see Carl uh, Malone and John Stockton's last game there. Oh, okay. So it was, but I I would say. I mean, I, I'll take your Utah, and I'm going to raise you a Boston. Like, I think uh, Boston, when they're rolling, it's it's really, really crazy in there. It's always like a festive environment. They got weird characters like Aztec Gino. If you guys know the whole, you know, like a dude, yeah. Aztec, mm-hmm. he's also Gino. Just weird things going on. They are the meanest crowd I've ever been around. They They are like diehard Celtics, but... I don't know if LeBron faces a tougher crowd than when he goes to to Boston. They they're on him tough, saying all kind of choice things to him. I, I always remember during the finals there, um, when Lamar Odom was in two thousand and eight when they was dating Khloe Kardashian, they were chanting "ugly sister." <laughs> it might have been 2010, 2008, but the crowd was chanting ugly when he was at the free throw line. It was 2010 because, it, yeah, I remember that was when they had first started. Because I remember, I'm not going to answer. It was 2010. It was yeah, 2010. But they had some shirts talking about LeBron, and, and uh, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. You, you know, I think we get the-, the one thing I remember most about Boston fans is when the Celtics beat them in 2008 and I repeat the Celtics beat them in 2008 when the bus was leaving the Lakers bus with Kobe and Phil Jackson and you know Pal Gasol and all those guys in it Kobe told me later he was nervous because they were throwing rocks at the bus (laughs) and they were shaking the bus as it was trying to leave the garden and they won they didn't (laughs) it wasn't like they lost but they said they were they were nervous the fans were going to come on the bus or something yeah. You know, uh, by the way, Boston leads the league in most people who show up to a game actually wearing a jersey. Oh, yeah. They like that a real stat. <laughs> I, I, it's, this is my unofficial stat because like it's uh, people come in with like w- their dress shirt and slacks and then have a jersey on over. I'm like, oh yeah, it ain't that serious, bro. You c- you could have just came to the game. <laughs> like under the under their suit coat. Yeah, yeah, like they wear the jersey right there. They even show there's this old, old dude, man. He must be like seventy years old, and they used to show him in a Paul Pierce jersey. And every time they put the camera on him, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, the dude with the beard. Yeah, yeah, like this dude like, looks like he weighs 105 pounds. He is far from intimidating, yeah. but he he always riles the crowd up because he like pounds his chest. Yeah. Hey. You know, for me, with that question, as far as, like, the loudest, it would be Golden State. But as far as the most intimidating, 
like when the Sixers were getting like whipped on, all of them were <laughs> was intimidating. I mean, like you would <laughs> you would go there and you would just listen to the crowd. No, it was it was like people getting drunk and going there and just like, all right, for the next two hours, we're just going to rip them. I mean, you used to hear stuff about y'all sorry, you know. Uh, me and my boys could beat y'all. Oh, like, who is he? Like, you know what I mean? They would like, <laughs> like yeah. stuff like, dang, I only heard the two of them. There's only two of them <laughs> whole team that I heard of. And like, you know, and it was, I remember one game, they were in Dallas. And like, I'm not, you know, you don't think of Dallas as, you know, a place like that. But it's like, it could get loud. But um, they, the, the Mavs had 73 points at the half and the Sixers only had like 35 Damn, and the way they, and when they walked, it might've been even less than that. When they walked in the locker room, you looked at Brett Brown and all of them and they were doing their best to stay like focused and keep their pride up. I even had to dap Brett up later for like, for <laughs> doing that. Right. But get this y'all. The funny thing is the Sixers only scored 70 points total. So well, people in the damn. stands were joking like, yeah, we could have beaten y'all if we just sat out the, yeah, <laughs> sat the second out the half. half. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I mean, so I mean, I remember the first year, like you know, we were in Detroit, and it was like on. Oh, they got uh, some. They got some talkers in Detroit too. Yeah, yeah, some talkers, and like they were just killing Evan, and Evan was Evan was at the scores table, and then all of a sudden, like Fat Young comes over. And he looked like, man, like he was like he was fed up, like he was really frustrated. And you saw Evan like walk over to him and and Spencer Halls. And he's like, look, man, it's OK. It's OK. Like you were like, I mean, dude, they used to get it mercifully. I mean, people used to just just kill him. And you know, right now you can laugh about it. But at that time, you like, dang, bro, I feel sorry for you because they were just like it was like the scab team. Yeah. Yeah. Like people used to say, you you think a D League team could beat them, you know? But I, I'll tell you this: it was a D League team. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll tell you this: if I had to pick the most entertaining place to watch a game, undoubtedly Miami. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, one, they they have the most phenomenal cheerleaders in the league. They're the only cheerleaders in the league where people come watch them practice before the game. If you go to their game early, there'll be like 30 people in the stands watching the, watching them practice. Some of which probably have the wrong motives, you know, watching them practice. Let me, let me tell you what a, a one longtime beat reporter told me. The special thing about Miami is through the walk from the media room to the court is it goes through right where they're practicing. Like, when they're warming up, they warm up right there. Like, right when you come out that media room and you go into the tunnel that take you to mm-hmm. the court, that's where they practice. And then when they're waiting to go on the court, like, that tunnel, is it starts really wide, and then all of a sudden it gets really narrow. And so <laughs> you're just kind of chilling right there. Yeah, no, they – but they have um, – uh, Gloria Estefan's husband yeah. play, plays mm-hmm. some uh, drums there. During the game, so the music's off the hook. Halftime is like a club. You, <laughs> you go walk around, and it, like it's like a club walking around in the mezzanine area. Then the food is crazy. You can get empanadas at halftime. And and it's always never, odd when they're wearing all white there. I think it's the least intimidating thing in, in the NBA. Oh, the whiteout? The whiteout. But it's so but, Miami, though. It's so Miami. Like yeah. the, the white linen shirt, basically. Yeah, but and the the problem is most of the fans don't show up till mid second quarter anyway, yeah. so it, it, they have to kind of fill them in as, as the game goes along. Hey man, I don't blame them. There's a lot. No. There's a lot to do in that town. No, no, that's that's one of my favorite places to go. H&A. What's good, man? As a professional athlete, would you call yourself a business? I definitely am a business. You I think the... everyone has their own brand, right? right? And they're trying to expand their brands. You're the CEO of Chanae Industries? Yes. Is Chanae Industries hiring? You know what? They might one day. Not now, but maybe tomorrow. Someday Sounds over the rainbow. When you do. <laughs> when you do start hiring, yeah. I know a great place where you can post a job Tell online me. and get a bunch of candidates. Okay. What's it called? It's called Zip Recruiter. 
<laughs> and with ZipRecruiter, wait, hold on. Wait, pause for the cause. And with ZipRecruiter, you could post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. You know, that's so smart because everything's becoming digital. Everything's becoming more technological. And, you know, ZipRecruiter puts it smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job, your brand, what you're trying to push within minutes. Not even hours, not days, within minutes. Amen. So you receive the best possible matches. That's what makes it it's so like different. It's like swipe right. You know what I mean? It swipe makes right. everything swipe exactly. right. I like Remember it. Remember when we actually had to go and talk to people? Right. And find out? Now the technology brings them to yes. us. You Cheat can e- code. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job post to help identify the most qualified candidates. You don't have to waste time. Sort of do a stack of resumes. I remember when I was working for, uh, for uh, the Phoenix Suns. I had to go through intern resumes and cover letters and all that. That's a lot. It's boring. Yeah, no. It's a time waste. That's why I was the one who had to do it because Steve Kerr and those guys were a lot more busy doing other things. (laughs) No no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Dude, you're telling me you can get hired in one day. Yeah. Yes, you can. (laughs) That's legendary. And you can can find that person that you want to hire in just one day. ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Free 99, baby. Free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. One more time. <laughs> to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. And I know some of you guys can't spell out there, so that's C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. Like Hoop Collective minus the hoop. That's where it came from. Yes, smart. What? <laughs> Smartest way to hire. Morty. <laughs> as, as far as Ben Ben's concerned, man, he are you surprised he's done so much so fast, Keith? Yeah, I am, man, because you know, I mean, you know, here I am. I'm thinking like, okay, he's six ten. I remember in the summer league, you told me they need to make him a point guard. Forget it. You know, make him a point guard. But then there was also times where, you know, he was turning the ball over. He wasn't dribbling it close to his body. And I just didn't know how a 6'10 guy would be able to defend in the perimeter, nor did I know, like, how he would be able to, you know, uh, still get his shot off if he can't shoot or still be an effective scorer. So... You know, he's he really impressed me. I mean, you know, a lot of people criticized him at LSU, you know, and saying that, you know, he wasn't the one. And, and you know, look at him. He didn't even take his team to the NCAA tournament. And now you now you look at it and it's like the brother was on cruise control just until he got to the NBA. So some people may criticize him for that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, as good as Joel Embiid is, and he is very good. I think that Ben Simmons is right there with him. And, you know, it's going to be in a couple of years. I mean, not if Joel keeps having these games like he had last night. But in a couple of years, you know, we're going to be writing stories to say whose team is it and who's the yeah. best player on the team. Man, the next, they're the next Kobe and Shaq, right? Oh, man. Yeah, man. Oh, it's crazy. Man. It's crazy. Let me tell you a couple two things. Like, one, the biggest thing from Summer League that changed was in Summer League, Keith, if you remember – Ben was overly looking to pass. Yeah, and remember, we're like, it, it, it don't work. Like, you can't be, you can't be Ricky Rubio. It's, it's a lot like what Lonzo Ball is going through right now. He's so he started the season so looking to pass. Like, dude, you have to be able to be aggressive offensively for people to respect that threat for the passing lanes to open up. Because otherwise, they just lay off. And that's the biggest change he made to me from summertime to now is that he's attacking, like you said earlier. You you go under on the screen. He's not unsure. He's attacking that space, and he'll beat you to that to the spot, and that's huge. But um, when you talk about those two guys together, uh, you know the thing that I say: what makes Golden State special? People, I feel like people miss the boat, right? 
People talk about their shooting, and yes, they're incredible shooters, right? And people talk about, uh, you know, uh, uh, their defense, and obviously the defense is tremendous. But I think the single thing that they do that makes it hard to go somewhere else, say, I'm going to do that too, is how many great passers they have. Mm-hmm. High IQ passers, because Curry's a good passer, and Draymond's a great passer, and Sean Livingston, and Andre Iguodala, and Bogut when he was there. And so mm-hmm. it's it's everyone is not only a threat, but they're a threat to find someone else at all times. Whereas on most teams, you're lucky if you got one, and that guy's your point guard. If you got two, like oh my point guard and my backup, like now I'm really I'm really balling out right now. I'm really tough to beat. They've got like six or seven to go and State. And the thing when I look at uh, Philadelphia that is Embiid's a really good passer. And so they got that high-low thing going. People think about Ben as just being a setup guy. How many times was Embiid finding him on, or, you know, on either on the cuts or when mm-hmm. he's posting up and they're trying to front the post and they swing and now he, he gets the touch pass in there. It's just – and then, you know, uh, McConnell obviously is a good passer. And, and when Fultz comes back, he's a good passer. And I think that's the one thing that makes them have a chance to be really special. It's just having a high-level passer. Keith, are you, are you sold like what on that Markel folks is still the correct pick? And, I mean, I, and what's the latest with him? You know, he's, he's going to get a reevaluation um, this weekend. He's going to go back to Kentucky and, um, you know, get his shoulder looked at again. I think that the latest is they're not going to play him, even though they're not going to, they're not publicly saying it. But I think after the ridicule and everything that he went through, I think that they're not going to throw him out there until everything is together, like meaning his shot. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no, regardless of, you know, whose fault it was, his shot is jacked up right about now. And they got to, like, start over and build it up. And that's what they're trying to do. But um, in regards to being the best pick, you know, now some people may argue, like, dude, you mean y'all gave up all that to the Boston Celtics, you know, just to move up two spots and then this guy isn't playing. But when you look at and you see how good Ben Simmons is at this particular time, you know, you ask, you, I mean, you say to yourself that he at the time was the only guy who was capable of, like, basically moving off the ball and playing with him and being a secondary ball handler, like when, like, Ben right. Simmons is not there. So when you say that, you know, you're like, wow, yeah, I, I think that is the right pick. Because, I mean, we looked at Lonzo Ball last night, and some people say, well, why don't y'all get him and Lonzo Ball? You know, right now, I, I think Lonzo Ball is not ready. I think that he probably will be in a couple years, but... I don't think that he's ready now, and and he can't shoot either. So yeah. that's a problem. Um, you but know, when you Tatum, see Tatum, yeah. But when you see Tatum, but see, here's the thing: the reason why is they didn't go after Tatum is because they felt like they had that type of player in the Robert Covington. Now you can argue like, okay, you take Tatum, and then you don't have to give up 15 million, you know, right now. You know, he'll be on this rookie deal, but. The Sixers had a lot of faith in Fiber Covington before a lot of other people did. So, you know, they felt like they, they had, you know, they felt like they didn't have to get Tatum because of that. I mean, you look at Tatum, what, 6'9", 6'8", Covington, 6'9". Yeah. You know, they play the same position. They both could play both forward positions. So I think that's the reason that they did it. Now, again, they're going to get, um, like, as long as, let's just say if Tatum becomes an all-star and – and, and Markel Folks is an all-star. And if, if Markel Folks not an all-star, people are always going to say the Boston Celtics got over on the Sixers. But yeah. I think for their part, they felt as if that it was all about fit. But, but let me ask you this, Keith. Mm-hmm. Do you see it? You, like, you mentioned all-star with this kid. I don't I don't see it, man. I mean... With Fultz? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. And... I hope I'm wrong, and I wish this kid the best. I don't know where all the fascination is. Like, I was told that he's a shooter, but now we're talking about how he, could, he needs to fix his shot. He's not really a point guard. He's, I guess he's a combo guard. He's not extraordinarily tall. He's a good athlete. I wouldn't call him a great athlete. So, 
and I and I tried to watch him when I was at when he was at Washington, and and perhaps I look, I, perhaps I haven't seen it, but and I I hope he proves me wrong, but I I don't understand the fascination. I haven't seen anything <laughs> that says this dude should have been the number one pick. You know, I have to see more of him. You know, because like, again, I. I'll be honest, I didn't watch any Washington games. I mean, you know, they didn't come on television or anything like that. You know, you would see highlights. And whenever you see a highlight of someone, you know, both of y'all know it's a highlight. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you don't see when they do that. But, they don't have um, low lights. Yeah, they don't have low lights. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, you know, the, the thing is, with his background, like we could talk, he was always a shooting guard. And then what happened is when he got into the 12th grade, you know, they start thinking about the NBA and all that, and they realize that at six foot four, you know what I mean, you're not going to be highly regarded as a two. So let's just get to put the ball in your hands. And he went to Washington, a place that enabled him to do that, you know. So, you know, I think that he can play off the ball. You know, as far as how good is he, it's kind of hard for me to say because, you know, in summer league, when you are a top draft pick, all of them are supposed to dominate summer league against guys who shouldn't even be in the league, you know? So um, it's one of those things where it's kind of like a wait and see, but I can see where you coming from. A lot of people have said that, but at the same time, I think that, you know, when like I saw it with Ben, yeah, you saw it. Now you saw it with Ben, but like, you know me, like me and you talk about, I've always been a Ben fan and I felt like the openness of the NBA game was going to do a lot for him. And we're seeing it now. Like, college sucks for him because it's like zones and all that stuff. And, well, no, no, no. and you don't no, have so, guys that could make shots for you, you know, which is part of Lonzo's problem. But That's the other thing I remember about Ben Simmons and people that criticize Ben Simmons. Amari Stoudemire, his senior in high school, I think they went like 19 and 17. Hey, Christ and Christ, And uh, No, it's Cypress Creek or whatever. Okay. Or, uh, and then a year later, he is the best rookie in, in the NBA. And what people don't get, I, and I get it, like extraordinary talents, you expect them to dominate wherever they go. But it's still a team game, man. And sometimes you just have bad coaches and bad teammates, and you just it doesn't pop out. And so I watched Fultz at Washington. I watched him live. And the craziest thing to me was I'm watching Washington play. And there's a guy on the court that, if you look up any mock drafts, he's either one or two on the mock draft. And four of the dudes on the floor don't seem to have internet access. Because they're out there like, doing their own thing. I'm like, how, how is he just chilling? And nobody even like, yo, let, maybe we give the number one overall pick the ball yeah. and, and let him create for us. And so it's just weird situations don't allow people to flourish. Uh, but I, but I that, don't care about Washington. No, but I, I know. But so, 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 like, to, but to fast forward to uh, him in, in what, why you would take him over Tatum, I think, in a weird way, um, Tatum, Tatum is who he is, right? He's going to get better at what he does, but I don't expect it would be a big you. shocker to me if he started like running pick and rolls and finding guys and cre- and making other people better. He's an assassin. He goes out there, go get buckets, I get buckets, right? Mm-hmm. But think, his job will be to get buckets. Yeah. But I think you know, so, what basically be J.J. Redick, right? But J.J. I mean, like, but, 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 but yeah, he's going to be a little different than J.J. because he's going to be more of like, again, like, you know, T.J. McConnell right now is the backup point guard, but if folks was playing, if, if folks was playing, T.J. wouldn't be. And folks will be the guy guarding the point guards. I mean, his role is a little bit different than T. I mean, excuse me, than JJ. You know, where JJ is, is you know, he's more athletic than what people give him credit to be, um, more well-rounded than what people give him the credit to be. Yeah. But he's just known as just a spot-up guy. You know, what I mean, a catch-and-shoot guy. But Markel can put it on the floor. Like I think. You know, again, I think, and, and, and I'm with you, man, when you talk about, like, you know, you playing with a bunch of bad guys, and that makes you look bad sometimes. And also, Markel is, like, a nice guy. And I'm not saying that he's not aggressive on the, on the floor, because he is. But at the same time, when he knew he was playing on a bad team, 
he knew that he was going to be a lottery. He was going to be the guy next year. Okay. You know, he's like, you know what? I'm fitting in with these guys. Yeah. We're going to make it work. These are my buddies. This and that. Let me enjoy it. But, um, you know, I, I, I like the guy, and I think he will be good. It's just that since we, I haven't seen him play a lot, you know, I can't sit here and say, okay, he's going to be this or he's going to or he's not going to be that. I just need to see what he looks like when he gets back. Yeah, and and I will say this, and one of my long-time rules is to really not judge somebody to their third season. And, in fact, like I got a text this morning from my colleague at the undefeated Justin Tinsley where he was like, I mean, basically wondering if uh, Alonzo Ball was going to be a bust. And I'm just like, it's just just too early. I I said, plus, there's like tremendous pressure on this kid. But I've seen flashes of greatness with him. So I just, I just think that there's going to be some growing pains with him. Uh, but I've seen flashes as whereas with and, – and look, my sample size with folks isn't that big, but I haven't seen a lot of flashes yet, you know. Well, well let, me, let me just say this, um, Mark. Okay, so you're really cool. You're cool with Lloyd Pierce, right? Oh, and, Lloyd uh, loves yeah, Lloyd well, loves him. Absolutely. So let, let me ask you this. What did you say? And Lloyd Pierce saw? is an assistant coach – with, with the, the 76 with the Sixers. Sixers. We actually grew up together in San Jose, but go ahead. So, Lloyd, Santa Clara, right? That's where he went. He went to Santa Clara, played with Nash in the backcourt. Yeah. Play, play so, Lloyd is the guy who worked with Robert Covington. Lloyd yeah. is also the guy who works with MB a lot, right? Yeah. So, when you look, when you saw Robert Covington like three years ago when the Sixers came to town, I'm pretty sure you guys probably didn't even remember who the dude was. Yeah. It was like, who this guy shooting threes? Lloyd, look at the work that Lloyd did with him and look at him now. So you got a guy like Markel who Lloyd's going to work with. So you you're saying I mean? Lloyd Lloyd has got to make this kid a star. I'm not <laughs> saying he has to make him a star, but I'm just I'm, – but <laughs> what I'm saying is I think that he's in the right situation for him to, to excel. And, you know what I mean? Because Lloyd, you have, Lloyd, Lloyd may not want me to say this, but he – we actually had a phone phone conversation, and he raved about folks. Raved, and when he if he hears this podcast, he's gonna call me and and, and certainly. Hey, wait, wait, what, 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 what? put no business out there? Yeah, no, no. Talk about like why am I being so hard on the kid? I'm not. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just maybe I don't know. Somebody got to send me a, a a video showing me something because I haven't seen it yet. And who knows when I will, because he's out. And here's something else. He did go to Washington, but let's I mean he did play at the Matha High School. And you know, they played like a national schedule. You know, he was a guy who wasn't like, you know, highly thought of when he when he showed up at the Matha and he and he ended his career as a McDonald's All American. So, you know, this dude's been through battles. He just wasn't, you know, winning battles when he was at Washington. So yeah. Being in L.A. yesterday, what were your thoughts on on not only Ball, but on Kyle Kuzma, too? Yo, I like him better than Ball. Um, and and maybe it's just because I like the way he gets to the rim. Um, did you uh, like there was yeah, a he almost had a poster on Embiid. No. Oh, my gosh. Embiid nah. looked like, whoa, what just happened? I mean, but yeah. um, this dude is aggressive. I mean, he's aggressive. He fits in well. Very um, confident. Very confident. And, you know, like my paper, we had something on and yesterday that said, um, what if Kyle Kuzma tries to steal the show? You know, and and he tried to. I mean, he's a good guy. I really like him a lot. I like Clarkson, too. But Kuzma, I think he has a huge upside. I think this is a great team for him. Now, I'm not saying all star, but I think he has a great upside. You know, I have. Had a chance to talk. I did a story on him this week and had a chance mm-hmm. to really sit down and talk with him. The one thing that sticks out to me is the same thing that stuck out to me when I interviewed Malcolm Brogdon last year. Because Malcolm Brogdon came out of nowhere and got rookie of the year. Was mm-hmm. their extreme confidence, man. Like these dudes have an all-star confidence level. Um, but at Kuzma's height, 
um, his ability to shoot threes, his versatility, his toughness, his his you know carefree attitude, trying to dunk on Embiid. I feel like he has a chance to be a surprising star in this league. I don't know if he's an all-star in the next two or three years, but if he's doing what he's doing now, I mean, what he's doing now is basically as impressive as any other rookie, right? He's averaging like 15 and 7. No, we were talking about this. Someone asked me, uh, what does Lonzo Ball need to do to close the gap in the rookie of the year? race and i'm like he's not even the best rookie on his team man and that's not that's not that's not to say like this is who he is or these are where everyone's gonna end up we've seen it before guys who are great rookies and then that's pretty much the best part of their career but yeah um yeah man it's just like kuzma's playing with unbelievable confidence um and, and it's weird because you know mark you obviously wrote about him this week you sat down with him. Uh, his background is weird, man. I, like I didn't yeah. know that every 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 Michigan school passed on him. Yeah, and, uh, and you know he, that's why he ended up going to Utah. Uh, but you, you rarely see guys like that um, who stay uh, confident in themselves. He wasn't yeah. even he didn't even really play in the AAU circuit, right? And but and to, to say like, oh, I'm gonna be an NBA player. Yeah. Right, that's that's. I mean, look. Obviously, he the guy. And he said everybody was telling him he's a fool for going into the NBA. Right. And he was told that he was going to be a second round pick, and he's like, I knew I was going to be a first round pick. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy because, for the most part, now obviously not everybody, but for the most part, the guys in this league, you are you hit milestones in your life that tell you you're headed for the league. Right. You go to these camps. Uh, you get invited to the big camps. You play really well at them. You play mm-hmm. on a really high-profile AU team. The big-name schools are scouting you, uh, are, are, and you get uh, scholarship offers. And you got, you know, you go to, you know, you choose from one of these big-name schools. You go there. Scouts are coming to your games, and it's kind of high-profile games on ESPN, you know, or, or you know, on basically national networks. Um, and then. You know, you see scouts come to your practices because a lot, a lot of people don't get scouts may not come to the game. They like we like going to the practices better because you see basically how they are, how they interact with with coaches, with trainers, stuff, and and et cetera, et cetera. You going through the interview process. You know how many interviews you get lined up. Did you get invited to Chicago? Like there are all these things in your life. They're like, yeah, I'm an NBA player, and this dude basically didn't get any of those those reassurances until pretty late in the process. And even then people were telling me you're making a mistake coming out early and all that. And then on top of all that, you factor in the dude sat there and cause I think the biggest thing is nobody thought he'd be able to shoot this well from NBA three right now. Right. Yeah. He t- well, I, didn't he bro, I didn't even know. I didn't even know who he was to summer league. Yo, he changed his I had no clue who the guy was. And I, and I, and I live in Pac-10, Pac-12 country. Yeah. But, like, but like the idea that he changed his shot, like, after leaving school, like, in the most intense period, basically, where you're trying to show to in teams and workouts your best version of yourself, right? Yeah. You know, guys go with these trainers, and the trainers basically drill them on the drills that teams put you through. And so you may not be able to play, but you're able to do those drills, though. Yeah, <laughs> you, you kill all those drills, right? So for him to be like, "Yeah, I know I shot it this way, and I shot it okay," but that ain't gonna work at the next level. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to tweak it. In that moment of time, man, that's that's pretty pretty significant. I mean, so you get and you got a guy who's you know tall, good looking dude, got a chip on his shoulder like Damon Lillard does or C.J. McCollum right. does. <laughs> He's always gonna have that 28th pick hanging on him. Um, that's a, you know, the Lakers basically got them a Tony Parker, a Ginobili. You know what I mean? They got yeah. them a, a special, a Draymond Green. A, 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 you got it, and you gotta have like that's that's the the key. I think another key is like everyone could be like you know pun pun intended. Like everyone about like trust the process, trust the process. Like, trust the process is cool, 
But it can't. You can't. Your whole thing can't be. Yeah, I really did well with that number one, number two, number three pick or whatever. Yeah. Like you got to hit on somebody who's not. Yeah. You got to hit on one of the uh, guys yeah. who's in the rough. The 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 guy, the teams like the Spurs, Golden State, yep. like got teams that do well late in the first, find value value in the first or the second. I'm always impressed with them, man. I'm always impressed with that because. Um, it's always fun to like look back at drafts and see where guys were. Like to think now that Isaiah Thomas was the 60th pick. Like I actually yeah. remember seeing Isaiah Thomas play in the NCAA tournament for Washington in San Jose, and saying to myself, "Man, I know this dude is little, but he could go. He could go." I, I mean, and so I was, I was actually stunned that he was picked so late. But yeah, I thought, I thought he was a second might have been the best thing that happened to him. Yeah, absolutely, because you talk about that chip on the shoulder, right? Yeah. You know, same thing. Draymond Green not being a first rounder. Like, how much did that drive? Like, well, I mean, let's be honest. Draymond Green not being a first rounder, and Harrison Barnes being a lottery pick. How much did that drive Draymond Green every day? But like, shoot, Draymond <laughs> could tell you everybody picked before him. It's amazing that he could do right. that. But that shows you the killer mentality he has, and right. so. I mean, we talking about like, everybody like, in the second round, late first round, or are you talking about everybody? Everybody. He names, like, the entire draft. He names the entire draft. Everybody picked the form. It's, it's <laughs> a, you can find it on YouTube. And, like, that's what I, you know, Ivan Rabs, a kid, rookie with the Memphis Grizzlies, yeah. spent a lot of time in the, in the G League this year. But when he was drafted, you know, a lot of people were getting on him about, no, if he had left a year earlier, he, he would have been a lottery first. pick. Yeah, this, that, yeah. and the other. And I told him when we talked, I said, bro, you in the league now. So, really, your number don't matter anymore. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, look at Draymond. Look at look at Tony Parker. Look at Isaiah Thomas. It's, there's a, a look at Anthony Bennett, you know. Um, but there's just uh, – it doesn't really matter. Once you get an invitation in, the rest is on you, right? Uh, yeah, you know, the, and the funny thing is for for second round guys, for second round guys, and I, I'm just I'm just uh, trying to confirm here. Was Ivan Rab? Uh, is he a two way or or does he have an actual deal? No, he has a deal. He was a second round pick. But oh, okay, all right. So so for for uh, for second round guys, it's better to be a second round guy than to be a first round uh, a, a late first round pick. Like in a way, Kuzma going first round at twenty seven or twenty eight. Yeah. It's going to work against him because he's so good. Had he been a second-round pick, he would have had a two- or three-year deal and would have got paid really quick, kind of like what happened with Draymond. Yeah. Whereas now Kuzma's stuck on his four-year deal where he's really going to be underpaid pretty much for four years. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to, and they're going to exercise it. They're going to exercise it, that's for sure. <laughs> Yo, guys, we got to go. We got to make sure Keith can get to the serving spoon, man. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Before he flies out and everything tonight, uh, it's a wrap. I'll talk to you next week, and me. Yep. Will Chris join us? That's the question. Stay <laughs> tuned next week to see if Chris Haynes joins us or another special guest. Peace, y'all. Run AMC out. Yeah.